HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Wait, so there's, explain this to me. There's like, there's stuff growing in the bottle? Well, I wouldn't say even growing. There's, there's a, well, there's, what, would, what would you say well, then? It, it is, uh, there's life. It's what? It, it's like life in Pluto. You know, it's life on Pluto. Yeah, it, I don't, it's I don't like understand. Life, what does that even life mean? That, life that what does that even mean? Well, that, that it is inside the water in the you know, like in the moon. The they found a few bacteria. How? They don't know Do they... if it's dangerous. What it is doing? How do they not know if well, it's dangerous like, or not? They... Hey guys, um, sorry to interrupt, guys. Uh, uh, your lovely discussion is amazing. I just find out that. <laughs> Apparently we're on the 150th episode, so... No! Do you want to do... What? No! Yeah. 150? Yeah. We gotta do something. We need to celebrate. I, I just cracked a beer. <laughs> that... <laughs> that, does not seem, that does not seem like celebration enough unless you can pass that around, Chava. Not with my gluten intolerance. Suddenly, this sound booth will not be a pretty sound booth. But I do... I've got, I've got three ideas for how we could celebrate... This hundred and fiftieth episode. Uh, okay. As long as I don't have to see you dancing, Lou, I, I may. I'm. I'm. I mean. <laughs> so my first idea is right. Like we never get to hear Roy's voice. This is a special thing in and of itself, right? Yes. So I think. I think what we do is we have Roy re-record the entire episode. <laughs> Right with his voice over our voices. Uh, uh, yeah, hard pass. <laughs> no. What do you think? You guys like no, that? No, no, hard pass. Okay, next, next okay, idea. Okay, next okay. Idea. So, uh, a second idea is we make life really, really hard for Roy, and we make him do the entire episode where I'm catching Guani, right? And you're a halotl. Okay, so you get to be a god, and I... I get to be a little creature that lives under the water? You're a little creature! I, I, you're like the monster! You're the water yeah, monster! Yeah, tiny water monster. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. You're just tiny but powerful. <laughs> no, 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 it's not going to work no, for you? Not if you're being Quetzalcoatl. If you get to be a little ant, and I get to be a Dajolotl, I'll play. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not. Not buying on to that. Yeah, anyway, yeah. sounds awful. A ton of work. Yeah, a ton of work. Okay, so, yeah. so third idea... Okay. We play the entire theme song. Yeah, sure. That has never happened. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Okay, take it away. Na, 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 na. Two dudes named Lou and Chava in a car, not built for back roads. Travel back roads never meant for cars. Their singular objective is to learn about agave. Bring the knowledge back to Gringo. 
Property one. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps drink ex-bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. And today we're talking about one of the big misconceptions within agave. Oh, <laughs> wow. You, you just came out of the gate with an argument. Of course I did. And okay, so tell me, uh, tell me, young Chava, what is this biggest misconception? Well, and I'm not going to say it's a generalized misconception, but it's something that I am. I think that we are definitely guilty of spreading. How many times have we been in a presentation and have we talked about Capon agave or have we talked about these agaves that grow on the slope of mountains in extremely isolated, difficult areas and have said, oh, this agave is going to taste like heaven because it grew under very difficult conditions. Because things that take a lot of uh, hard work to grow will always taste better. Uh, I you know what I I'm not sure that I've ever said that now. Like, oh, you have. I, I, oh, you have. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I don't think I have. I think there's a nuance to it that maybe you're not catching or you're misremembering. Okay. And the nuance would be, you know, I you can take the uh, the the most amazing base ingredient, and in the hands of somebody whose palate doesn't match mine, it's not going to create a spirit that I he he or she is not going to create a spirit that I enjoy. Now, having said that, I would agree with you that we tend to talk about how the agaves that are struggling to reach maturity, that are living in um, in difficult places and climates, really, right, that they will tend to produce something that in the right hands will be something that I find, a spirit that I find more delicious. Okay, and I, I guess that is even the whole basis of the wild agave versus cultivated agave. That's when somebody gets mm -hmm. a bottle that says wild agave, they get extremely excited because I believe that there is, even if it's not like said in the open or it's mm -hmm. not the bottle doesn't say this is going to taste better definitely the the concept of wild agave tends to suggest that this is going to be a more vibrant more interesting flavor that has more yeah. information than a domesticated cultivated agave are we do yeah. we agree with that Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. It's absolutely a market perception. And I don't even know that I would necessarily disagree with it. Exactly. So do we have any evidence that will support that? Do we have any evidence that will support it? Um, is there you know, any I, study? I, is there anything that any, any study? Well, well the, the problem is when you're talking about a study, you're, you're, you're coming back to the idea that individual people are deciding this is more delicious or that is less delicious. And I don't know how you how you really how you study that. Exactly. I guess so, if you did like a bunch of blind taste tests. No, no, then... no, 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 no. Forget that. So that's why we have a beautiful <laughs> quote uh by our one of our best friends lately. What's his name? Uh Dr. Pulque. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pulque. Gonzalo. Gonzalo, yes. Uh so Gonzalo, yeah. it's an academic at the University of Morelia, Unam in Morelia, and he was smart enough to convince a bunch of people to make his thesis, master's thesis on pulque. And this is a quote that I got from him uh, when I interviewed him lengthily uh, about this. So here it goes. Si hay ciertas diferencias, 
There are many differences that the producers can catch. For example, with their own productions, they use different agaves like chacaleño, negro, and manso. They know very well that the manso produces a guamiel that is way sweeter and more delicious. And this notion of deliciousness is usually linked to how sweet the aguamiel is. They know this empirically, but we have tried to systematize this knowledge by measuring the sugar's content. Still, to this day, we have insufficient data to know if there is a clear pattern that is either linked to the type of agave or the land where it is growing. This is something that has been explored a lot in mezcal. It is a popular idea that an agave that grew in a more complicated area or a poorer soil will yield a better mezcal. But it seems like in pulque, it could be the reverse. The agaves that have been watered and pampered the most can maybe yield a higher quality sap. For example, agaves broncos and cimarrones de monte, which are wild agaves that grow on cliffs, are known to produce tasteless and minimal aguamiel. Okay, so you see how this has nothing to do with a sit a bunch of gringos and do some blind tastings. We yes and no. I mean, even even Gonzalo says there's insufficient data and suggests that, and this is the piece that actually confused me that I was referring to before we started recording, and and um, even suggests that the better pulque is the sweeter pulque, and and that and, yeah, I love that. Yeah, go go go. Okay, so so my point is simply that's just not well. I shouldn't say it's not, but certainly for my palate, it's not the case with with agave spirits. Well, and and this is very interesting because what a, uh, a sweeter agave, and mm-hmm. we say the, we see this a lot in the field, right? You are talking with maestros, and when you're talking about yield, or you're talking about how good is this year going to be, or how good is this batch going to be. A very usual response that I get is like, se ve que está dulce, like se ve que tiene dulce, which it, which means like there's sweetness attached to this agave. And that usually means, not usually, that means you're going to have a better yield and you're go- and that that is going to be a more fortunate batch. So well, in the taste well, of pulque... Uh, hang on, hang on. You're conflating those two things, bro. Uh, tell me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so fortunate uh, in terms of maybe production levels, but not in terms of flavor, right? Because yield is not the same as flavor. Well, if the, it were, if it were, right, like Blue Weber would be the thing. Well, this is interesting to me because, again, like in the case of pulque, you have a direct link between the amount of sugar in the agave and the sweetness in the final product, right? That uh, is, yeah. And yeah. that is not the case with a spirit. You can have an extremely sweet mosto, you can have an extremely sweet mix of fibers and juices, and the final product can be really, really far away from being sweet, depending how you ferment it and how you distill that. So basically in the distillation world, to have a sweeter agave, if you have a very sweet extero amarillo, that just means that you're going to have more area to work with, more alcohol to work with. Right. Yeah, so, totally agree with that, but that to me is different than quality, right? It, well, it depends, because as you're saying, and I agree with you, 
then everybody will just work with Spadin. But I believe that if you have with, within with other other things or tequila, whatever, but if yeah. within the realm of Extero Amarillo, and I think a wonderful example is the three-year Capone that Tomas and Lorenzo used to make uh, their batch of 2022, if I'm not uh, mistaken, <laughs> of Extero Amarillo. That has been one of the most delicious things I've ever tried in my life. And they specifically, when I was talking to them, it was like, yeah, that was a very beautifully sweet agave. So I guess like here, here, here is like, uh, and again, like I don't even want to get too much in the rabbit hole of that right now, which <laughs> we already we are. Did was yes, yeah. yes, yes. But I, but I think what what I love about this is. Again, like we have somebody that studies this in a more organized way than we do, which is Gonzalo. And he is confounded about this idea of, okay, which is the which is the better environment for agaves to do what? And I agree with you. More yield doesn't mean, or more sugars in the agave doesn't mean necessarily, it, it's not a marker for better flavor. But I believe that there's not a lot of understanding of how different environments of different ways of pampering or not pampering the agave actually affect it. And I think it's just, it just has become a popular idea that we keep on repeating because I think it's a very romantic idea, right? This thing that grew up out uh, in, in the wilderness, of course, is going to have more vibrant flavors. That's like a logical idea that I think people love to repeat. It, it is a lot less romantic what Gonzalo is telling us in the case of pulque, which is a better pampered agave is going to produce a better result. And and again, with their own criteria, with their own understanding. But I, the only thing that I want to suggest is that two, both things can be possible. It's just we don't know. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and that could be the subtitle to the series is we don't know. But, you know, here's, here's a theory, Java, is um, when you're drinking pulque, you are drinking the fermented aguamiel, which is just literally the sugar extract the liquid sugar extract from the agave Sup. as compared sure as compared to um when you've cooked the entire agave and then shredded it you're throwing all of those elements in so you know my head goes back to the conversation with dr ivan saldana where he was talking saldana, about saldana, all saldana. Sure, that guy too. When he was talking about all of these these elements that make up the agave's biodefense mechanisms, and that those all end up in the fermenter, whereas they're not necessarily in that sap that you're using to make your to make your pulque, and I wonder if that's the difference. I'm not, uh, like, the only reason why I wouldn't buy that notion is because we have amazing examples like Campanilla or Villasuso, where they are fermenting without fibers, and well, the product is still extremely rich in flavor. Yeah, but it's the elements aren't just the fiber, right? Well, it, you're, you're cooking the agave, and then you're squeezing all that juice out, and the juice is coming from every corner of the plant, in the case of Campania, whereas with the um, uh, with the agave that you're using to harvest the aguamiel, it's literally extracting it itself. It's uh, choosing what right what goes into no, the base. Of no, no, the- it is extremely similar. Uh, I think that all the information in terms of uh, all these 
biochemical defenses that the agave has that can inflict or can influence flavor are definitely present in the aguamiel because oh, they, they're, I, all I the same, they're all part of the same system. Like, I, like for me, it's interesting what you are saying in the sense, like, why do you think the aguamiel chooses? Like, wh which is a discriminatory process? Like, how exactly do you foresee that happening within the agave? Okay, so we know that in order for there to be sugars that we can consume, right, you have to have hydrolyzation. And the hydrolyzation, when it takes place in the plant itself as opposed to being uh, done through cooking, it's going to be done through the enzymes in the plant. So it seems to me like you've got the enzymes that are hitting these, um, these potential sugars and making that conversion. And that's what's really going in the base of the agave, not all the other elements. No, 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 no. <laughs> I fully disagree with that. I, I mean, what, 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 I, what I'm trying to say, though, it's uh, I think the complexities uh, in terms of how much uh, can the agave elements uh, influence the aguamiel and the mezcal, I think they're, they're tremendously similar. And uh, I don't quite think that... Uh, Like I, I, like I'm really struggling. I'm really squeezing my brain to trying to find to find a way in which why wouldn't that be the case? Uh, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm uh, I would even say and never quote me on this that but the aguamiel <laughs> he said being recorded yeah i know but uh, i i would even say the aguamiel has even more of this biochemical uh presence of these defenses just because it's uh it's inside the green plant so it is having contact with a lot of these things out in the wild you know like it's even they're covering it with a penca You know, like when when they're allowing for it to to build, there's a pink on top of that, and some of that I'm sure that throws it, gets into the aguamiel. I think, like honestly, for me, this episode and uh, and and what I would like to to sort of point out, it's like again, there there is this term wild agave used as a marker of a more delicious agave because supposedly the conditions in which it grew will be mm -hmm. conducive to more vibrant flavors. And I don't think there is uh, a lot of information out there to actually confirm this. And I will say this just because I would love for somebody to actually come up with some ideas about this. And I believe there has to be even a follow-up of this episode of, okay, so if we are saying that, why, right? Uh, what, what are these elements of the wild agave that are giving it uh, other things? Or if it has to be like, maybe, and this is what gets me really excited, maybe the sweet spot is half, the, like, half wild. Just wild. Half yeah, wild. like, just like, give it a little bit, a little bit of pampering. Just a tiny exact, <laughs> just, you know, not a lot. Just like, just, huh. uh, just like, just, just, uh, just caressing on the forehead every three, five years. And, and, uh, and maybe that love will take it a, a long way. These boys, they're just in a cockfight. This is hardly the first cockfight I've had to break up. This is Hen. Rihanna, and I'm, I'm here to say, hey, I think we should just do what Chava said and just follow right up on this episode, but why wait until another episode? So, so I contacted Dr. Yvonne Saldana, 
and uh, and asked him the question. I sent him an email and asked him the question about the difference in the sugar productions for the pulque and the mezcal. And he actually had something that makes sense to say. So uh, take it away, Yvonne. The first thing is that, yes, plants that tends to live in more harsh conditions develop a chemistry to protect itself. But it's not necessarily related to sugars, but to other components like essential oils, uh, turpins, for instance, or the generation of fat, of guax, uh, plants that are like in very harsh sun and no shadow, they become grayish and, and, a, and a thicker layer of wax is actually formed. So, so in the in in the case of of agaves that are used for mezcal, in which you have a process of cooking and grinding, and like homogenizing everything, including proteins and fibers and everything that are in the in the process of production. I mean, depends of course in tequila, some will take the fibers away, but in mezcal we will keep them. Uh, you are you are obtaining the flavors from these conditions of the plants, but also always remember you are caramelizing the sugars. When you break them down, you produce caramel, and that creates a lot, a lot of flavor. On the other hand, in pulque, pulque is a different is, is a different thing. Pulque is a sugar that is secreted in order to heal a wound that was performed. Uh, by the maestro pulquero, who is hurting the plants in the dawn and dusk and then collecting the aguamiel, that as you correctly said in your email, is, is produced by the natural hydrolysis that enzymes that the plant contains produce. And will try to flood the wound with such a rich and nutritious liquid in order to feed the cells around the wound and close it. That's That's why the sap is being accumulated for pulque production. I mean, it's difficult to say that the stress will be responsible for flavor. And, and with all honesty, I am not sure in, in pulque how that actually happens. But what I can tell you is that if you don't have a healthy, uh, well-watered plant or a plant that has a, a good shape, good succulence, it's going to be very hard to actually collect pulque out of the plant. Um, you, you at the end, you are not only getting the sugars in the case of, of pulque, but the plant has to do an entire work to move uh, the sources such as water uh, with the sugars, of course, in order to flood this wound. So I would say that, yes, you will need a more healthy plants. That's somebody who should probably have a podcast instead of these two two goofballs. Anyway, thanks very much for tuning in, and uh, uh, we'll catch you next episode of Agave Road Trip. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. 
you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media, so if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.